Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. We're going to be talking about something very important and very much on everybody's minds these days, perhaps more than ever, and that has to do with these fundamental ideas of sanitation, hygiene, and keeping clean. Yep. In the age of COVID, this is something that has become uh, very much in the foreground. It's uppermost on everybody's minds. And so I have been lucky enough to come across an extraordinary company called Everest Microbial Defense. And I have invited the two founders of that company onto the show today to talk about the subject of cleaning hygiene and sanitation and, well, what I like to call the next generation of it. It's something that has separated itself out in the marketplace because of its exceptional product uh, product line and uh, its chemistry, the molecular structure of it. And we have the two people who are very involved in helping to market this internationally uh, in our roundtable today to discuss this and educate us all about the strengths of what it is we have here that really is, you know, truly a game changer. So on that note, we have Mark Whaley, who began it, and um, Jay Johnson, who joined him. They are both consummate professionals in the field of, of cleaning. They both have backgrounds in science and engineering, as well as business. And they've combined these together to really put this word out, and they're getting themselves into some very high places in government, in business, in different institutions, and uh, for good reason. What they have is really outstanding, and we'll be learning about more of that right now. So, Mark Whaley, welcome to A Better World, and Jay Johnson, both of you. I'm glad to have you both on. Thank you, Mitchell. Good to be yeah, here. Thanks, Mitchell. Good, good to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's a, a moment of some celebration and otherwise a slightly dark time of America and actually even the world in having to deal with these issues of mask wearing and keeping the hands clean, washing them 10 or 12 times a day and all of this. So what you're bringing is uh, truly a boon to the conversation, and uh, I, for one, you know, very much appreciate it. After having reviewed your literature, tried the products myself, and I, I really, really so feel good, so good about it, I wanted to really have you both on. So, Mark, would you, with your extensive background in both science and in the world of cleaning and cleaning products, what is it that initially moved you to want to uh, get involved with this product line? Well, uh, you know, being involved in cleaning, um, you know, for now over for over thirty years, so I'm starting to get uh, a little long in the tooth. But in the cleaning industry, one of the one of the frustrations that I always have had, Mitchell, is that clean cleaning, disinfecting, sanitizing, etc., was all really geared around the uh, a moment in time, right? It's just we get it done now, and now it's clean. But there was no expectation on our part that we could keep, that it would stay clean. Um, we knew we'd have to come back and redo that process over and over and over again. And so when, when I came across this 
technology, uh, I, I knew it was a total game changer because it's it's designed um, to provide ongoing protection, lasting protection against germs, and um, actually enables uh, the prevention of future contamination. So just a game changer. I knew I had to get involved with it because I just saw how it could literally change the industry. Mm. God, I get it. I get it. That's a tremendous difference. Having something clean for a moment, that is until it gets contaminated again, which could be the next moment is what I hear you saying. Right. Yeah, we can. And what is it that's going to keep it clean? Please, Mitchell, it's kind of, this is Jay, it's kind of like a lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, You know, you go through the process (laughs) once, and as soon as you're done, you just have to do it again. Yes, exactly. And who knows what kind of interference, germ, mildew, mold, virus interference there can be in the meantime, which spoils the whole, the soup, right? (laughs) Exactly. Quite literally, right? Jay, I'm I'm glad you jumped in here. What is it that got you going? I mean, you've been in many different fields, including publishing. You've been in many different, wearing many different hats over your professional career. What is it that kind of uh, ignited you about this? Well, there's actually two things. The first thing was uh, uh, the technology and the problem that the technology was solving is very unique in the space, and it's not something that is widely known, especially in the consumer space and i i'm of the firm belief that if this could be uh, you know was made known to the consumers it could be a, a huge benefit uh it's a it's a, a game changer slash paradigm shifter and uh yeah. it just really really excited me now what goes along with that is it's always that means there's uh, significant challenges in terms of educating consumers and help, helping them understand that there literally is a better way and then associated with that was this the uh, the accompanying business challenges and business opportunities, not only for ourselves as a company, but for others in the industry, uh, in this space uh, specifically, as consumers became aware of it. Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. You bring up a very important point, which is that the whenever there's a paradigm shift of, and I think that's a great way to describe what this uh what this is is there comes with a learning curve and people need to get educated about what the real possibilities are because we've been trained to think along the line you were describing mark of now my hands are clean now my body is clean now my clothes are clean now my countertop is clean and next moment i don't know so it really does something to the mind and well, what it does to the mind, it cleans the mind, I guess we could say. You know, that's probably not a bad thing. Brain, the, good, the good side of brainwashing, you could say. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> bad joke. Sorry about that. Uh, Mark, would you go and just kind of walk us through this technology that you and Jay are referring to? Uh, you know, it's on one hand, it's a bunch of elements. Um, combined in a certain way that forms a certain chemistry, and you describe it as a technology. Could you just unpack that a bit? Yeah, so we we do describe it as a technology because I think that term f- fits it best. 
Um, but but in essence, w- this technology is uh, you know at the nanoscale, right? So it's it's an invisible technology to the to the human eye, um, mm-hmm. uh, much like you know germs are invisible to the human eye. Um, our technology is as well, but it mm-hmm. that's where the battle takes place in the unseen part of our world, and mm-hmm. this technology is a uh, it really is very different than than literally everything else that's out there that has anything to do with disinfection. What it is boils down to is we have a molecule. That molecule is in in essence it's a molecular spike. And so um, this spike is made up of carbon atoms, a nitrogen molecule, and a silane base molecule. It bonds to surfaces covalently and provides a lasting bond, and it attracts and then physically kills microbes um, of all kinds. So it it instead of a chemical kill or a poison kill, which is the way disinfection has been handled throughout human history, is to, to in essence, poison the germs so they can no longer harm us. Uh, the downside of that is the poisons used to harm the germs also are harmful to us. Um, mm-hmm. And so this takes it in a completely different direction. It's sort of like chemotherapy the in a certain way. Yeah, it's, you know, you know we're, it kills we're dealing... what you want it to kill, but it also kills everything around it. Exactly. Yes. Now, ours is very different because it is a physical kill of the microbe, um, and it's a lasting protection on that, on that surface. So kind of a, a, a visual for, for you, Mitchell, would be this, is that if it's sprayed onto a surface, let's say the, your, your countertop, sprayed onto that countertop, it's like, it's like applying an invisible field of molecular spikes. So there'll be literally millions of these molecular spikes that are all now bonded to that countertop. They don't leave the countertop. When you clean it, mm-hmm. they don't they don't wipe away. But they're there constantly protecting that surface. And um, the wonderful thing is in a normal setting, in a normal surface like that, the protection will actually last up to 90 days. Wow. That's extraordinary and you know you can't hurt yourself by touching that surface with the spikes can you no in in fact you know as i mentioned it's invisible they're invisible um because they're uh-huh. so small um that you can't see them you, right. you would need an electron microscope to be able to see oh my them gosh. Mm-hmm. but because because of their size um you know they Interaction with them, human interaction with them is totally undetectable. So it, you can't see it on the surface. You can't feel it on the surface. It doesn't change the appearance at all. It doesn't change the feel of that surface. It doesn't change the way that you use that surface. Um, it's just an underlying, always there protection. They're too small for us to bother us, but they're plenty big to totally bother germs because they they don't leave the germs alone. 
right? Germs aren't that big either, so I guess they're commensurate with each other in that regard, absolutely. Jay, you described, thank you, Mark, that's very helpful in terms of imagery for me and for others to to understand more of what's going on here uh, when you say it's a mechanical kill. Uh, Jay, you've described it as uh, bacteria, viruses, microbes, um, mildew, mold, fungus getting impaled on, you know, like little knives, little spikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Could you expand on that a bit? Like a, yeah, sure. I actually kind of liken, liken it to a, uh, a kebab skewer. Uh, actually, the as Mark had mentioned, this this very small molecular field of spikes is laid down, but these have a, have a charge associated with them, an electric charge, and they actually draw bacteria down onto them or microbes down onto them. And when they do, it's very much like a, a water balloon. You know, it just uh, kind of uh, oh. pops and explodes them. So they're basically rendered useless, and they can't mutate or, or, or change to, to, uh, to try to avoid them. So it's very, very effective. I see. So it's it's through the electron exchange. It's the, it's ionic. It's a positive and negative charge that causes the mechanical kill. Is that what you're saying? Well, actually, yes and no. The, uh, the and, and Mark can jump in on this as well as he's the the real science guy. But the the electronic charge is actually what draws uh, bacteria in particular down onto the spike. And the, oh, okay. the spike, carbon spike actually ruptures the cell wall. Now, in the case of viruses, the electronic charge is what does the damage to the virus. And, Mark, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Oh, yeah, so, that's interesting. Yeah. So the, the nitrogen molecule that's part of this spike carries a strong positive charge. And all microbes, so bacteria, viruses, mold, mildew, and fungi, they all carry a negative charge. And, you know, in school you, uh, you, you played with magnets and you know the opposites attract. So mm-hmm. this field of molecular spikes, all those spikes have that positive charge to them. And a microbe with a negative charge, when it's introduced through touch, say I have, you know, contamination on my hand and I touch that treated surface, I'm going to leave some of that contamination behind, and those microbes are going to be immediately drawn to that positive charge. And in the case of a bacteria cell, uh, the field of spikes are, are literally going to, like Jay mentioned, pop them like balloons. And once the cell wall is ruptured of a, on a bacteria, it cannot survive, and furthermore, it cannot adapt. Um, to overcome this kind of physical kill. And in the case of a, a virus, um, you know, virus is different than bacteria. It's not a living uh, entity. Technically, they're mm-hmm. not living. Um, they don't have a cell wall either, um, and they're very, very small. But mm-hmm. when you have a field of all positively charged spikes on that surface, that surface actually becomes cationic. And so when a virus is introduced to a cationic surface, it's, it's akin to electrocution. So it basically oh. electrocutes the virus and inactivates it. So it can, it can no longer 
uh, it can no longer infect, if you will. It, it mm. can no longer do the virus thing. It's inactivated. The virus thing, right. Right. Actually, I interviewed a cellular biologist recently who was saying that a virus, as inanimate as you're saying here, Mark, uh, is more like a flash drive. It's a communication device. Uh, it holds information and brings it from one place to another. And that information is not, you know, generally, of course, healthy for us. Uh, and so if you're able to deactivate that information, it's like having a, you know, we use the word virus in the world of computers, mm -hmm. too. It's, and if that information can't get transmitted, then uh, the danger won't happen. A danger avoided, exactly. right? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I really appreciate I like to, that. Uh, I, yeah, please. I like to think of, I like to think of viruses as hijackers. You know, mm -hmm. they don't they don't have their own they don't have their own car or plane or whatever. So they take over mm -hmm. a living cell and, in essence, reprogram it. Yeah. And then, uh, essentially, be, that cell becomes a virus factory. And that's yes. why when they get they get into our system, they can do so much damage because they just go go crazy, and it take overtakes. Yep. But if you inactivate it, it, it can no longer do that, like you said. Yeah. Yes. Talk about the hands, because what I've realized in getting to know the two of you and learning about the product line, uh, you know, the hands are really basically considered another form of surface. Yet, you have a product that lasts for 24 hours of protection on the hands, 90 days, as you were saying before, Jay, on, on other surfaces. Um, talk about that, if you would, both of you. Jay, you want to kick that off? This is yeah, what, sure. this is what well, of yeah, course... So has people scratch their heads 24 hours, you know, because everybody has got, you know, the so-called pure L mentality, a squirt here and as many squirts throughout the day as possible. And then the bottles used up, you know, in no sure, time. Let me, yeah, sure. Let me, well, certainly with, um, um, classic hand alcohol based hand sanitizers, uh, you put them on your hands and they do an effective job of, of killing, uh, if they're left on, if it's left on the hands long enough, an effective job of, disinfecting the hands and they are disinfected until until the moment that you touch something else and they're then reinfected now with this technology technology our technology um what happens is that bond that mark mentioned that co covalent type bond that mark mentioned that is formed with a surface whether that surface mm -hmm. be a countertop or whether that surface be a textile or if that surface ends up being your hands that that chemical bond is still made, and um, and in all practicality, that bond would last on your hands for 90 days if the surface of your hands lasted for 90 days. But the surface of your hands typically does not last 90 days, as we probably all remember. Uh, it's a common feature, a natural feature of our bodies to shed their skin cells. And so oh, when that happens, if, you, if you've got the chemical attached to it, it is no longer attached to your body because it does not go inside your body. It attaches to the surface of your body. So that's one of the beauties of the product is that it is not inside 
uh, you know, inside the, the cells of your body. It's on the surface of the cells of your body. So, but that being said. Interesting. Uh, but you make a very interesting it. point here, Jay, which is that technically, because it is the same molecule as in the, you know, a, that you apply to a countertop, in effect, mm-hmm. um, if the skin cells didn't shed and die off and get replaced, in, it would last for 90 days. That's in essence, and that's in essence all true. That, that's, that's in theory, right? Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for that, that elucidation. That, 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 Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to think about it, though. Yeah. Anyway, please go on. Which, which, uh, and, and so that's how you get the long-lasting protectant. But it's because yeah. it's on your hands attached to your skin. It actually uh, is not impacted by washing. It's not impacted by additional. Uh, if you were to put alcohol-based hand sanitizer on your hand, it actually doesn't impact the uh, you know the product at all so interesting yeah okay thanks that's very good I mean this is what people care about I mean of course they care about surfaces they care about clothes and you mentioned textiles and they care about their hands and their body I mean in a sense even though you talk about it as for the hands one could put it you know technically right on their face is there a reason why not or any part of the body, for that matter. Well, we are not making any advice to do that. We've not run any tests in that regard, so I'll just yeah. refrain from commenting on that. And but uh, okay, right now, you know, we use our product on the on the hands, and that is that's where we've we've done uh, uh, many independent tests as well as internal tests, proving the efficacy of, of it on the on the hands and and the safety of it on the hands. Okay, so we'll leave it at the hands for now <laughs> so, yes, until yes. further <laughs> testing is done. But you bring up an important um, subject, which is uh, testing. Now, I know you two have um, overseen and have uh, conducted, uh, and ha- there has been conducted, have been conducted a lot of testing, uh, both, uh, you know, in universities, in hospitals, in assisted living residences, as well as in labs. Uh, Mark, could you elaborate a little bit on this and what what the findings have shown scientifically? Well, when you're you're talking about the testing that's been done um, on on hands, um, as well as surfaces, it's quite extensive. So with the hands, yes, the the studies do show that it's, um, it's effective. It provides an immediate sanitizing of the hands and that the protection then continues to be effective out to that 24-hour mark, which is, you know, that's a game changer right there. You mentioned game changing before, um, Mitchell, and that's a game changer Mm because your alcohol-based hand sanitizer at, um, you know, at best gives you about two minutes of protection. So when you put that on your hands, and um, once the alcohol has evaporated completely, it, it cannot provide any more protection. It doesn't, doesn't kill anything more at that point. And so literally in, inside of two minutes, you're, you're back to ground zero and your hands can become contaminated again. Um, so you've got two minutes. And up to 24 hours, a significant difference. Mm. 
completely. Completely. And the testing, I mean, this should be on every single surface, every single doorknob, every single pair of hands, you know, from here to kingdom come. I mean, literally, uh, <laughs> governments, agencies, corporations, I mean, everything, every restaurant, needless to say, movie theater, I mean, really, every bathroom, everywhere. Uh, if it had this, I mean, it, you know, we keep using the phrase, but, but it's true, both Game Changer and Jay, as you said earlier, paradigm shift. And it's up to us to get our brains kind of wrapped around the fact that science has developed and, you know, bright minds have developed such a molecular-based technology that can provide this kind of protection that, you know, the world has really not seen until now. So I'm very impressed. Tell us yeah. a little bit more, and then, Jay, I would love if you were to go into, you know, the actual products that are providing the protection. I'm sorry, was that something you started to I, say, Mark? Yeah, I was... I was just going to um, jump in there and just say, um, you know, I think it's important for people to genuinely understand, um, you know, how uh, contamination and cross-contamination uh, works, you know, in our lives, right? Oh, so I think that's great. Yeah, you, please. You know, you have, you have a couple modes of transmission that are the primary modes of transmission. And really it comes down to um, surfaces, hands, and air. And so our technology and what we're talking about here today is, you know, deals with the surfaces and the hands. So it takes care of two of those primary modes of transmission. Um, so 80% this is according to a study that was done by the CDC, but 80% of cross-contamination happens via touch surfaces. So as an example, you mentioned a doorknob. A doorknob, I touch that doorknob, I <clears throat> leave behind some of the contamination that was on my hand. You come along a few minutes later or a few hours later or you know, in some cases, uh, germs can live on surfaces for, you know, even up to a couple of weeks. But you come along at some point in the future, the next few minutes, and you grab that doorknob. You're going to leave behind some of what's on your hand, and you're also going to pick up some of what's on that doorknob. And so you multiply that by, in some cases, you know, the hundreds of people that use that doorknob every day. And now those, all those germs have been transmitted from person to person, person to person through that touch surface. And so then, you know, a person can become infected if it's a, let's say it's a, a the, you know, common flu virus that's on there is I touch it, it's on my hand and now I, you know, touch my face or whatever and, it, it makes its way into my body and then all of a sudden I'm sick and I'm wondering what happened, how did I get sick? I don't remember, you know, speaking with anyone or being with anyone that was sick. But you touched that doorknob and so did a sick person and so did a hundred other people and that's how things get transferred. So 
by treating that surface, that doorknob, and making it inhospitable to germs, now when I touch it and leave it behind, those germs are dealt with immediately. You come along a minute later and touch that doorknob, um, you're not picking up contamination off that doorknob. What had been and left so, before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so we're not, we're cutting down minimizing the risk of transmission through treated touch points. So that doorknob, that, uh, that desktop, that countertop, that uh, you know, computer keyboard, telephone, handset, you know, whatever, whatever those touch surfaces are that you interact with, um, they all can be treated. So you're right. If this was on all the surfaces, it would it would dramatically reduce the risk of cross-contamination because such a huge portion of cross-contamination happens through touch points. 80%? Yes. According to the CDC? Yeah, 80%. Does the CDC know about this product line? We're working on that. Yeah, we're working on that, and yeah. there, there are specific campaigns in place to, to, to make that happen, Mitchell. Um, you know, and that's actually a perfect segue, uh, Mitchell, into kind of how yes. we decided to atta- attack the market. Uh, oh, please. As, as Mark just, uh, yeah, Mark just talked about, you know, these touch points are things that uh, we, we focused on. So we really had three different product lines, if you will, that we focused mm-hmm. on to address this. One is what uh, we refer to as our liquid products or liquid protectants and we talked about the hands we have a, a, a hand uh, product it's called 24-hour defense and it's the it's a, a foaming solution that you put on your hands it's, it's long-lasting you apply it once a day sometimes twice a day if you would like uh, if you're in heavy traffic but um, that's one of the products we have a surface protectant called EV360 that we that you use on surfaces whether it's doorknobs countertops uh, computers, lampstands, uh, refrigerator handles, what have you. Um, so you mm-hmm. spray it on there, and that, that lasts up to 90 days in terms of uh, protection. And um, then we have another liquid product called Laundry Shield, which is a product It's a, um, a product you mix in with your, your laundry. It's actually a fabric softener. It has our product uh, mixed in with it that provides Protection for your the molecule you clothes. mean uh-huh. yeah the molecule is in is, is mm-hmm. in the product the so-called great sacred molecule yeah yeah it goes goes into your your clothes or your towels or what have you in, in your laundry mm-hmm. and it provides uh, in particular it provides protection against odors because odors are typically caused by um, bacteria, bacteria. And, and, and microbes yeah in in your laundry so that's our liquid products and we have a set of Treated products, which actually are industrially treated by us, and the the primary one that uh, that almost everyone on this call can can resonate with is uh, uh, sponges, stinky kitchen sponges. You know, everyone, yep. everyone, everyone has. Uh, we all know it, and they they all know it. We all know it that they stink. But what most people don't realize is that your kitchen sponge is typically more contaminated, has more germs and harmful microbes on it than your toilet seat in your house. And that's disgusting. Oh, my. And uh, so what we've done is we have developed a process to treat 
kitchen sponges and uh, prevent them from harboring these uh, these bacteria and, and germs that uh, cause odors that are so offensive to us. And uh, we mm-hmm. actually uh, guarantee it for 90 days to, to not smell. It's mm. called the no-stench sponge. And that was such a huge success it. that we did the exact same thing with kitchen um, dish towels. So we have microfiber cloths that we've treated as well that are guaranteed to not stink for 90 days. And we also have a treated treated mop, a no-stench mop. So that's our treated product line. And then lastly, uh, we do have a services uh, line, services offering. And one of the things that we do, uh, to just touch on this very briefly, is uh, oh, sure. a lot of people yeah, are familiar with uh, – with um, house cleaning services, things of that nature, where people come in and clean your house, and they might mm-hmm. even actually uh, disinfect your house. Not many people do that, but sometimes they do. They'll wipe things down with, with a, a bleach or some type of a disinfectant. And yes. um, we've actually added two additional services to that, which are we provide protection. So we use our liquid products to protect your surfaces in your house for long term. And then the fourth thing we provide is we provide proof that they are protected. So we have a proprietary oh. system that we have uh, that we've developed and uh, are deploying uh, to to people, especially homes. But we're also actually doing that this with some businesses where they're applying our products, and then we're coming along behind and testing to prove that the surfaces, the homes, the doorknobs, what have you, those things are actually uh, protected at antimicrobial or at a microbial level. So that's kind of in a nutshell, our offerings. I want to just kind of outline what they are. Yeah. Oh, no, that's very helpful. That's very helpful, Jay. Um, It's interesting that, you know, that circles back to what I've been kind of asking about, which is, you know, both the science and the studies behind the products, uh, sort of basically behind the the molecular uh, structure here, the technology that you refer to. Um, and how that bears it out. And here you are saying that you actually provide a service that proves the efficacy and the long-lasting nature of of the disinfectant and the protectant. So there you have it. Yeah, we actually, Mitchell, we actually have a, a saying in our business, and one of the challenges we have is making the invisible visible and that's part of this paradigm shift coming all the way back yes. to the beginning of the conversation is that yes. is the challenge and we believe we've met that challenge we have several several ways that we've allowed consumers to have the confidence and assurance that we are mm-hmm. dealing with the problem at hand which is the microscopic level problem that we can't see that yes. provides in the history has historically provided so much danger to us mm-hmm. oh that's really wonderful thanks for Outlining you know, that, Jay, Mitchell, that the, really adds to the overall picture of the reality of what it is that we have here. Uh, Mark, please. Yeah, I was just going to say that the, the kitchen sponge, the no-stench sponge, is, uh, and Jay alluded to this, it is the, um, it's the easiest proof that people can, that they can tangibly hold on to, if you will. Because everyone knows mm-hmm. kitchen sponges and all that. We, we went over that. But the fact sure. that it doesn't smell a week after you started or two weeks or a month or two months or even up to 90 days. And quite frankly, we've had customers that have contacted us and said, oh, you know, I've been using the same sponge for six months and it still doesn't smell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. but that's proof because what 
if it's not smelling, it means that it's successfully defeating all the odor-causing bacteria. And so there, it kind of makes it tangible. So if you want to know whether or not it works, try out the no stench kitchen sponge because that's the proof right there, the simplest proof. We have much more scientific ways of proving that it works, but that's a, that's a tangible way. Yes, exactly. If you have any questions, smell your sponge. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, of course, there have been bacteriostatic uh, sponges out in the marketplace, and products for that matter, for quite some time. So how would you say this is different than those? Well, really, it's, they're different um, in the same way that our product is different than the traditional disinfectants, okay? So, I yes, there's been, there's been plenty of antibacterial sponges on the marketplace, but the way mm-hmm. in which they are antibacterial is when they're manufactured, they actually add, um, add in essence, a little bit of liquid disinfectant, if you will, into the sponge, Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem with that is one, those liquid disinfectants are, you know, they're poisonous, you know, to humans as they are to oh. germs. But then, mm-hmm. but then, secondly, um, it, it will rinse out. You know, it's only temporarily in the sponge. Mm-hmm. And our molecule, our molecular spikes, um, are literally infused throughout the fabrics and the in the the materials of the sponge. Yeah. And so they they really become a permanent part of that sponge. So they don't rinse out. Got it. Um, they're embedded. They're embedded in the fabric. They are itself. embedded. Yep. And that's what yes. happens by the way, also, Jay, when you were speaking about the laundry shield, uh that the molecule gets embedded in the clothing. Is that a correct understanding? Yeah, it actually attaches to, at a molecular level, the threads or fiber on the textile, whether it be your shirt or your towel or your dish rag, whatever that you put in your laundry, that actually acts like a surface. At the molecular level, the molecule thinks it's a surface, and so it just goes and attaches to that just like it would your countertop or your hand. And so now you have a a treated textile product. Amazing. Now, if your mask is a textile or washable and you wash it with the laundry shield, here I am going out of the box again, but just asking if you, you know, have thought this through at all uh, or you have any experience with it, uh, the mask then, I mean, one of the issues with the masks is that uh, if someone actually is infected, they're re-inhaling. Mark, you mentioned, you know, air is one of the ways of transmission um they're re-inhaling the infectant in this case you know so if masks were uh washed with this molecule with this technology would that change the experience of 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 mask wearing it it would um it's a good point mitchell the you know the the thing about the masks are you put the mask on 
and you go out into the world with the mask. And so whatever contaminants, you know, are out there in the air, um, you know, some of those contaminants are being filtered out by that mask material. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're still living or still active in the case of a virus, right? So if they are Mm -hmm. being filtered, then now your mask is a becomes a source of contamination, you know, yes. the, the outside of it. But yes. you're, you know, you, you, go, you go outside, you take your mask off, you've now touched that surface, you're, you're passing it around, you know, you're moving those things around, and your own mask is, Subject. is literally just another touch surface um, yes. that can be contaminated. So if you were to treat that mask... Um, with our technology, then you, you know, it would be just like the sponge. You know, whatever is being exactly. filtered out would then be dealt with. And so now your interaction with that mask would be uh, on a safer level. And, um, you know, it, it, just to be clear, it's not going to, uh, you know, make, turn that mask into a better filter, it, mm-hmm. is, it is what it is, but what lands on the mask, what comes in contact with the mask, what does get filtered by the mask can be dealt with. Yes. You see, this just goes back, gentlemen, to something we've all been saying in different ways of, uh, uh, Jay, when you said a paradigm shift. I mean, when you are dealing with a paradigm shift, when you realize that the Earth is actually no longer flat, and <laughs> you realize that it's spherical. Um, you have to make changes in your own mind in every way you live to realize that it's a different, no pun intended, it's a different surface. It's a different kind of atmosphere we're living in. So here, too, we are given the chance to review every aspect of our lives and how it's been affected by this infection. And how we can really turn so much of our thinking around in light of, you know, this product line that you both are are bringing forward. You you follow my logic here? Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're exactly right. It's uh, it is a, it is a new way of thinking that we've got to come around to. And I think we're all uh, very in tune with it now in the current environment. And so uh, I, Again, nothing, I don't believe we've hit on this, but I do want to hit on it a little bit. Nothing is going to be foolproof. What we are looking for are ways to generally provide significant improvements to our our safety and our well-being. And um, this is one of the ways. There are many other ways that we can can do this, to to do that for our own well-being. But this is one of the ways. And we believe that uh, it is a very viable way in a way that should really be uh, be considered. Well put, well put. So last couple of questions before I ask you both to just add your last thoughts for our audience and all uh, is, number one, I mean, it's sort of evidently non-toxic. So uh, could you just talk about that? And I imagine as a result of that, it's what you would call eco-friendly. Mark? Jay, could you comment on sure. that? Sure. Yeah. I'll I'll jump on that and Jay, you can chime in too if I miss something, but 
you know, when you, when you talk about toxicity, um, our, our product, because it is so different, and we're, we've been, you know, over and over about the paradigm shift, it really is mm-hmm. so different in so many ways. One of the key differentiators is when you put a standard disinfectant on a surface, that is, is just literally on top of the surface. Now, if I touch that surface... I will pull away some of that disinfectant, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it comes off that surface, you know, until it, it completely evaporated. Um, it would be transferable. Our technology, our spikes are, it's a bound technology. So when they, they bind to that surface through a covalent bond that's very strong, and they remain bound to that surface. So they don't leave the surface. They don't leach away to go do their work. All their work happens right there where they are bound to. So that's true whether that's in the the uh, sponge material of our no stench sponge or on your kitchen countertop. So it's a bound technology. Therefore, when it is applied to a surface and bound, so once dry, it's considered completely non-toxic because it doesn't leave that surface. So me resting mm-hmm. my hand on that tree I get the top, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not going to absorb any of these spikes because they're, part, they're now part of that countertop. So I'm not absorbing any in, so I don't have the risk of absorption. I don't have the risk of, of uh, you know, consuming, accidentally consuming. If I place my, my sandwich on the on the countertop momentarily because I forgot to grab a plate, none of the spikes are making a, making their way onto the sandwich. It's all yeah. on the countertop. So it's a bound technology. That's the key. And so, again, you put it on your hands. Those spikes, they're seeking the first place they can covalently bond to. And so mm-hmm. that's the outermost layer of your skin. They literally won't absorb into your skin because they bond immediately to the outside to them. and yeah. then they remain bound so now as i'm eating etc i'm not transferring those elsewhere so yes. it, it it really is a very different approach and so when you talk about that toxicity level it's you know uh, significantly different the other issue that you bring up is you know from an ecological standpoint what's the what's the story well mm-hmm. in essence carbon atoms nitrogen and a silane molecule that provides the bonding in essence we're talking about sand wood and air <laughs> to to simplify it all the way down mm-hmm. um we're not we're not talking about uh you know a a typical uh, chemical here. So it's, um, you know, from an ecological standpoint, you're not introducing into your world um, really anything that's not naturally found. This is a, Mm -hmm. this is, is, is a special formulation of those natural compounds granted, but it is still carbon, carbon atoms, nitrogen, and a silane base. 
Hmm. Interesting. But, you know, I want to just mention, though, that on one of the bottles I remember seeing, I believe it said something about, and, you know, I'm not a chemist, ammonium something or other, some long word or two. What what is the the relationship of that to what you're saying? When you, you basically, you know, every... Every compound has a uh, a long scientific name. Um, <laughs> yes. No matter you know, no matter what you're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the the name, the actual name, it's almost unpronounceable of this compound. Uh, you know, it's. I think it I think the uh, the actual name has more letters than the alphabet contains, right? It's uh, it's yeah. one of those kinds of things. So yes, yeah, I've struggled uh, with it a few um, times. Yeah, I have too and I've been working with it for years. So it's yes. um that's in essence what what you're seeing there. I mean, on the mm-hmm. label, uh you need to list the exact what exactly it is, and that's the the only way to do that is to use its full uh, scientific name. name, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. But what it really is composed of is, as you said, uh, nitrogen, carbon, and s- uh, saline. You said um, silane. So silane. Silane. A, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's a derivative of of. Uh, Silica, if you will. So oh, I got that's the sand component, right? Yeah. Right. So in in effect, uh, despite the appearance through the use of long chained chemical words uh, and names, uh, it really comes down to the elemental form. Something Jay, you said to me quite some time ago of sand uh, and uh, nitrogen and carbon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. So interesting. So interesting. So, well, thank you. Thank you for that uh, explanation. I really, really appreciate it because the people who listen to this show uh, are are rather eco-friendly and eco-sensitive, I should say, and are interested in things that are non-toxic. And I feel you've uh, outlined and described the nature of the words versus the actual substance and understanding the inside of it a little bit at least. Yeah, and, and real that. briefly, real briefly, Mitchell, on on the toxicity comment, there, we've had mm-hmm. uh, several studies done uh, that actually prove the non-toxicity uh, in terms of very sensitive uh, living organisms, if you will, mm-hmm. that are that are sensitive to to any kind of toxicity, um, and so they it's really been proven uh, through independent test testing. That uh, the 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 chemical is non-leaching and non-toxic. So, yeah, if someone really wants Excellent. to dig into that, uh, there's there's adequate uh, independent lab studies that we can uh, produce that provide that. Excellent. Oh, that's so helpful, Jay. Thank you for that clarification. Really, really appreciate it. Well, last words, gentlemen. We've gone on way beyond. I uh, but that's just testament to how interesting this is and how much you both have to share about it and. Uh, 
it's whenever there is a paradigm shift, it's compelling, you know, it's like, tell me more. It's like what becomes very curious about how this works and that it's having the effect it's having and it's changing everything. We've all been at a little bit of a low point over the last few months as a country and to hear something as uh, kind of uplifting and elating as this is, it's like, more, tell me more. I got to know. Liberate me from this situation. And I'll let Mark Mark give some closing comments, but let me just, uh, as it relates to the paradigm shift, I I always liken it to a horse and buggy and an automobile. Uh, Uh Horse and buggies uh, were a great way of getting from point A to point B. They did their job, and and you got from point A to point B. When automobiles came along, uh, it was a, a paradigm shift. Still, you were trying to accomplish the same goal, getting from point A to point B. But there was a lot of resistance in terms of, um, you know, they're going to break down. Uh, they might be dangerous. Uh, they make noise. You know, all of the common <laughs> things that we've heard in the past. Sure. But I would venture to say that the majority of society has now garnered on to the fact that mm. automobiles probably have some advantages over horse and buggy. They still get us from point A to point B, but in a much more efficient, comfortable fashion. And so I kind of liken this new technology to that in that, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, it, it's going to take some education, take some learning, take some getting used to exactly how to, um, how to utilize the technology. But once we're there, uh, what we are finding that it is a much more efficient, much more practical way of protecting ourselves uh, against the hidden dangers that we can't see. Wonderful. That's great. Jay Johnson, thank you so much for that. And uh, clarifying, it's really true. This is, there's an old book called uh, The uh, Structure of uh, Scientific Revolution, Thomas A. Kuhn. And it's all about how we move historically through different mental slash scientific structural understandings. And it changes everything, and it takes a while to for everybody to catch on and get past that resistance, uh, so the next understanding can emerge. So, uh, horse to buggy, and to cars and airplanes, on it goes. And you guys are uh, in a rocket ship, I think. Mark, last comments. Well, I think. You know, we've covered a lot of material here today, and I think it's been a, a great conversation, Mitchell. So thank you for having us on and and uh, bringing this conversation to your uh, to your audience. So thanks for that. And oh, I guess so welcome. the only the only parting comment I would have is, you know, again, dealing with the paradigm shift. You know, don't just clean, protect, and <laughs> That's kind of yeah. kind of our motto is that, like that don't just clean, protect. And so By the that's, way, uh, that's what I'll leave your listeners with. Thank you. You know, I realized there was an interesting omission, and that is that you also have a disinfectant. I know the overarching thing is about the protecting, but also you do have a disinfectant that works molecularly hand in hand complementarily with the EV360 the protectant is that correct that is correct so we 
we have a, a disinfectant that's called Smart Touch, and it is a very effective, um, you know, uh, disinfectant because the procedure for utilizing the EV360 is to disinfect, clean and disinfect the surface, and then apply the protectant. Um, so if you don't, if you apply the protectant to a non-clean surface, you you in essence are going to protect whatever dirts and soils and things are on that surface instead of the yeah. surface itself. So it's right. kind of like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't put a fresh coat of wax on a dirty car because you're just That's waxing right. the dirt. You're right, just um, sealing you it in. Clean that surface. Yep. Clean the surface and then protect it. So that is one of your, uh, Jay, when you're describing the liquids, that is one of the liquids that you have as well. Yes, it is. That's actually a fourth, and I, I did omit from the list, but yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay, great. Just so people see that there's this whole, you know, you have a comprehensive uh, line of products here that uh, God. I like using them, I'll tell you that, and um, they're on my hands and in my body and, you know, on my surfaces uh, all the time. So I have you both to thank for that. So Mark Whaley and Jay Johnson, thanks so much for being guests today. It was really a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you both soon. Thank you, Mitchell. We really Mitchell. appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I mean, that's a, a real learning experience, and I've been exposed to this. I've been using this now for some time. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting these gentlemen uh, some time ago, and uh, I was just immediately taken with this technology. I knew, I recognized it as a paradigm shift back when we uh, first encountered each other, and uh, I've been very pleased to know them and to get to know the product line and use it myself. So on that note, I want to just thank all of you for tuning in today and being part of this here at A Better World. And uh, I'd really suggest that you take a look at this and uh, get some for yourself and on your own hands and be part of the paradigm shift and the benefit and the pleasure of uh, riding in a new shiny car instead of uh, the horse and buggy, as much as I love horse and buggies. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for Better World. Thanks again for joining. And uh, Visit us at our website, abetterworld.tv. Join our newsletter, free newsletter, announcing our weekly shows. And I look forward to seeing you all. Bye.